What's up, everyone, and welcome to Mike Check. I'm your host, Mike Velasquez, and this is the podcast where we'll talk about all things fitness, wellness, rehab, and more importantly, the constant pursuit of knowing better in order to do better for the people that we serve. Now, without further ado, let's dive into today's episode. What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Mike Check. I'm your host, Mike Velasquez, and today I'm super excited to be joined by my guest, Shelby Miller. What's going on, Shelby? What's up? How are you, Mike? I'm doing awesome. I'm uh, excited as we were just talking about beforehand, before we started recording, that uh, this is going to be your your first uh, podcast episode. Yeah, I'm excited. You know, I feel like I need to like text my mom or something. <laughs> um, so, you know, I'm still relatively new to the podcast game, so I'll try to hopefully make your your first uh, experience enjoyable and but yeah, as I was telling you before, it's, you know, I've seen a lot of your stuff on, on Instagram and I was always like, yeah, that's, I'm always like sending like a fire emoji or, or something because I just think it's really good stuff. So definitely wanted to, to have you on today. Um, so I've had the pleasure of meeting you in person and kind of, you know, through social networking. Um, but if you don't mind kind of for my guests that may not be familiar with you, um, just giving us a little bit of a general background on kind of who you are and kind of, you know, your schooling process and all that. For sure. Um, yeah, so I was born and raised in Fort Worth, Texas. Um, so I, um, after I graduated high school, went to Texas A&M. Um, Gigum, we just beat Florida. Um, first, like, top five win at home since 2002. Um, a big day for the Aggies. That's huge. I know. And then um, I went out to West Texas to Hardin-Simmons for grad school, which is where I got my doctorate in physical therapy. Um, graduated at the end of 2017 and then started practicing um, – just literally two months after that, once I passed on my boards, I'm at the clinic that I had my last clinical at. Okay. So I'm currently with Texas Health Sports Medicine um, awesome. right now. Yeah. Is that um, is that the same place that you're you're working now? Mm-hmm. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, I was there for like four months as a student, and then got hired on um, as full time staff. That's awesome. Out in Arlington, which has been so fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, going through like undergrad and was PT school like always the thought in your head? as an undergrad even? Yeah. So I feel like I'm kind of an anomaly in that sense. Um, I feel like I, I know a lot of people, including like just close friends and family that still like went through college and they're kind of like, I don't really know what I want to do. Um, I broke my thumb playing softball in like eighth grade and ended up in a PT clinic. Like most of us, we've gotten hurt and that's kind of how we are exposed to it. Um, and just kind of saw that I could be around people and sports and uh, could get paid to do that. And so really in high school started shadowing um, at clinics and just really enjoyed it. Really loved seeing like the process of taking someone who was not able to do the things they wanted to in life and then just kind of get them to a point where they could get back to those things. That was like a super rewarding aspect of the job that I uh, was interesting to me. And so went to A&M, studied kinesiology with the intention of going to PT school, um, applied to five schools, got an interview at one, got waitlisted, <laughs> uh, and then got, got into that one a few months later. Um, so there's really no turning back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, was there any point, you know, through undergrad or even through PT school that you were like, uh, I don't know if this is, if this is going to be, you know, if this was the right choice, you know, did you ever second guess yourself at all? Or was it, you know, this is, you know, the whole time it was just kind of smooth sailing, I guess, probably not the best term, but you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I, I did question it. Um, not necessarily because I didn't think I was interested, but almost because it seemed too good to be true. Um, and so I just, I remember like my family was going up to Montana, um, the summer of 
I guess 2014 or 15, whenever I was applying to school. Um, and I just remember just like wrestling with like, am I supposed to be doing this? Am I supposed to be doing this? Cause it seems too good to be true. Like I'm too excited. Um, and literally met people up in Montana that were tied to my PT school. They were like on the board at Harden Simmons. And so they were like, Oh, like we'll tell the professors about you. Um, so yeah, it was just kind of a, a small like God moment of just like, okay, like chill out, like go do your thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, was, uh, being that you were kind of playing sports and Katsani how you got introduced through to PT was, um, you know, ortho or, or sports kind of the original game plan for you. And yeah, sports was kind of it from day one. There was really no, I didn't ever get tempted to go to any other discipline, even though people kept telling me when I got to school, like, you'll probably change your mind. So like kind of hold things with open hands. Um, but the more like clinicals I was on, the more that I just really loved ortho and felt like that was kind of what I felt like I was good at and what I was going to be passionate about in the long run. Um, I was stressed out when I was in the acute uh, setting. <laughs> I didn't like knowing everyone's heart rate and blood pressure and all the beeps and all the lines. Like it just, it wasn't something that I enjoyed doing. Um, but I have a lot of respect for acute care PTs, obviously. It just wasn't for me. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think I also went in with similar mindset of like going, you know, ortho for, you know, and had an open mind, you know, I was like, yeah, you know, maybe, maybe I will change my mind, but um, it kind of just always where my interests, you know, laid and, um, I wasn't even aware before I went to school about, you know, PT in acute care setting or neurological rehab that much. I was just like, oh, it's not just all, you know, outpatient <laughs> orthopedics. Um, so that was definitely eye opening for me. And like you said, I think, you know, utmost respect for people that do that and um, definitely important part of, you know, our field. But, you know, people are going to have, and that's, I think, the cool thing about PT too is, you know, there's so many different avenues that you can uh, go with it. Um, but that's yeah, awesome. We can everything. Yeah. Hundred percent. Um, so going through um, PT school, kind of what was kind of your process going through there? Was were you ever kind of the person that kind of you know questioned things while you were going through school, or were you just like, okay, this is what the book says, and then you know this is just how how it is, you know? Yeah, I feel like I'm a completely different person, or not person, but a completely different clinician than I am now than I, when I was in school. I think in school I didn't even know that I could question things. Like I feel like I didn't have no one like gave you permission to do that, even though like, I think the professors probably did say like, feel free to, you know, mm -hmm. challenge some things. I just didn't even know like how to do that or what that looked like. Um, I did have like a few classmates that would, you know, come to class and like, Hey, like I read my own research, you know, this is like contradicting what you're saying. And I remember having like respect for that, but I just didn't know how I could personally do that. Um, so throughout school, I just kind of took things as the gospel and, um, didn't really question it. I feel like I really started questioning things once I was, once I was on my own. And then once I started to just start to network um, and kind of get exposed to like other ideas and like, Oh, you mean upper cross syndrome isn't the end all be all. <laughs> yeah. It's not a, it's not a death sentence. No. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I feel like I'm way different now than I was when I was in school. I just kind of took it as, as it was given. Yeah. I think, uh, I think I'm always going to have that visual of Zach's video of Oprah cross syndrome anytime I hear that. Now. <laughs> um, so starting out, um, you know, kind of what were you, you know, just graduating, be like your own independent clinician. What were you most excited about kind of as you started your career in the field? Yeah. Um, so like I said, my last clinical was at the same or is the same company that I work for now is at a different clinic. Um, so our downtown clinic houses a residency, um, so plug for sports residency, if you're looking for a good one, Texas Health Sports Medicine um, has a phenomenal one. 
Um, so I was there as a student. And so just the caliber of clinicians was really high. Um, lots of just people like hungry to learn. I mean, there's a journal club every Wednesday. Um, and it focused more on like the biomechanics side of things. So it was, it was good in that sense. Um, and they kind of had to be narrow with what they, what they choose to, um, focus on. Um, cause we do a lot of ACL research, um, upper extremity, like throwing research and then concussion. Um, that's kind of what I was exposed to there. Um, my CI was great. Um, she just gave me like a lot of room to like ask questions and, you know, like, Hey, like, I don't understand this or like, I don't really, I don't know how we know that if it's was tested on a cadaver, like those kinds of questions. And I like feel that and go like, yeah, like that's tough. And like, I hear you. Um, so that just really kind of set me up moving forward kind of on my own of like, man, there's like so much more to learn. Like this is like so gray. (laughs) And that really like excited me. I didn't kind of back down from that. That like definitely energized me. Um, so yeah, I was just excited to keep learning. Honestly. Um, I had applied to residency at the end of my um, time at the, that clinical. So <clears throat> right before I graduated, I had applied to residency, um, didn't get in, but then got hired on. And so it kind of felt like this is a really, really good job opportunity. And um, so I've been there for two and a half years and it's been awesome, grown a lot there. Um, so initially, I think I was excited, like possibly doing residency, but then once I got told no for that and then went just clinical route, um, which I think we'll kind of get to that later. Mm-hmm. Um, with the self-guided um, sports certification route, and that was just a lot of fun. So I was just excited to learn, honestly. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, and it's cool that you were, you know, it was probably a smoother transition being at the same place that you, you know, did your last clinical at um, yes. and going to work, you know, full-time there. Um, so I, I'm glad that you were able to find kind of a, a home that fostered kind of what you were looking for and, and do that because I think, you know, people that may have just graduated from school and, you know, now is kind of a little bit of an unprecedented time with everything going on. But, you know, it's for me, like when I was searching for a new job, I would definitely wanted to find somewhere that, you know, fostered kind of what I was looking for, you know, as a, as a new grad. Cause I, I still, you know, I'm a year out, but I still consider myself a new grad and, yeah. you know, not that I need someone to be like, always be there for me and kind of almost like a, a CI sort of thing, but like just having someone to like bounce questions off of, or just be like, you know what, I really I'm not sure what to do here. Like, you know, what's been your experience with this? You know, how would you approach this? Um, I think that's super important. Like you don't want to get stuck somewhere where, you know, unfortunately there are places where you kind of just become another number and then, you know, you kind of just run you through the system so that you can see as many patients per day um, as you can. So I, and I knew for me personally, like that's, I was like, I'm not ending up somewhere like that. um, Cause I just didn't believe that that's how you delivered quality care. Right. Um, So like, did you, um, when you, and maybe, you know, going back a little bit to like when you went through to PT, like I definitely, like when I did my shadowing hours at my first uh, clinic that I went to, um, that I was a patient at personally, um, you know, my PT and I had a good relationship, but you know, I could see that, you know, maybe there were like three patients there at a time. And I was kind of waiting for him to come back around to me while I finished one, you know, one exercise and was waiting for him to come back and, you know, tell me what to do next. Um, But I was always to me, I was like, well, you know, it's kind of like, you know, I can see this person like waiting around for him to come around too. And it, for me, I was just like, you know what, it seems like it's just, it could be done better. So for me, like it always stuck in my mind early on that I was like, I want to go somewhere where it's just, there's not like four, three, four people like that you're having to see at one time. Um, cause you know, I'm sure some people are able to, to juggle that and handle that and do their best with that. But for me, I was just like, I don't, I don't like that model. Did you, no. have, did you yeah. experience that at all? Like when you were, yeah. 
Yeah. Um, so when I actually went to PT as like a patient, I literally just had to go that one day to get a split made. It was like an OTPT clinic um, here in Fort Worth. And so I went just like that one day. So I don't really remember it. It was also however old you are in eighth grade yeah. 13 <laughs> years ago. Yeah. So I don't remember much of the visit other than like just the, the, the kind of novelty of like the experience. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've been in like different clinics, just like you have, I'm sure like as a student where some clinics are a little bit slower, some are a little bit faster paced. Um, I don't think I could do well in like a clinic that consistently sees three or four on the hour. Like that's mm-hmm. just, I feel like that I can't even be creative with people at that point. I can't like think through what I'm doing. Um, but I also don't know if I could be one-on-one all the time. I think I would, it's almost like too slow for me. So right now um, where I work, we're kind of at one or two on the hour, which is mm-hmm. um, perfect for, for how I operate. <laughs> yeah. I think that's kind of also changed in my, like initially I was like, Oh, it has to be one-on-one and that sort of thing. And, you know, mm-hmm. now, you know, we have times where, you know, usually we're able to see our patients like one-on-one, we have like 40 minute treatment slots and sometimes we have to double book. Um, but it's very, it's not as commonplace. I'm sure it is in other places, but now, you know, I kind of seeing other clinicians that I really respect kind of do that well, um, you know, I definitely think that that can be something that's um, you know, definitely feasible and, and it's not like you're, um, how do I want to say this? You're not like compromising someone's care because you're seeing someone else at the same time. Um, so I think that that's definitely something that's changed myself as well. I was just about to ask, what what's like your biggest or what was your biggest thing with like, because you're not alone in like wanting one-on-one care for everyone and thinking that that's like the best model. Um, mm-hmm. What a lot of the reasoning behind that is it coming down to like I think it was just almost like kind of yeah care and value and just you know seeing like probably one end of the extreme where someone's juggling like the three or four and just saying okay like it's it's either that or it's you know someone's one-on-one and and kind of my background being like I've been a CrossFit coach since like 2012 so I had done some like one-on-one work with people so to me I was like okay like I can really devote my time to that person versus when I saw this clinician, like having to juggle three or four people, like it just didn't seem optimal, but you know, I was seeing two opposite sides of the spectrum there. And like, like usual, like the answer is usually probably somewhere in the middle. Um, (laughs) so yeah. Um, so I know we kind of talked about, you know, being more excited to, to learn as you were fresh out, kind of what were some of your like biggest fears that you had as a, as a new grad, just starting out? (laughs) Oh man, I still feel like I'm in, I mean, I do still consider myself a new grad. Um, so some of these fears are still like, I think ones that I struggle with on and off now. Um, but I mean, definitely like obviously coming out, we just like struggled with like, I don't know enough, which that's always going to be present, which I think is a good thing. And um, that keeps things interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, but also just feeling like what I did know, like wasn't enough, like wasn't sufficient enough. Um, I think being in like a, you know, as many pros as there are to being in such a high caliber clinic with like a lot of highly trained individuals, right. It's easy to compare yourself against that and to be like, well, since I'm not resident to train, since I haven't gone through fellowship, is is my thought process as valued um, as someone who who has gone through those things? So that's something that I still struggle with. I mean, even after I passed my SCS, like like the two months after that, I was just in a weird headspace where I was like, man, like I accomplished this thing, but then I still feel like I'm not enough. And I think ultimately you can't just chase down like trying to prove yourself to other people. Like you have to chase down like doing it for yourself and doing it for your patients and um, that just looks different for everyone. And so not putting yourself in a box to, to try to be impressive to other people. Um, 
so that, that was definitely like a big part of it initially, but then that's just been a big part the past two or three years. Um, and then also I think something that just will always haunt me is just like feeling like I'm not good enough with critical thinking and clinical reasoning. Like I just never think I'm good enough. <laughs> yeah. And I think, yeah, we're sometimes, you know, our own harshest critics and yeah. I'm, you know, kind of similar to that where I'm always kind of second guessing myself and, um, which again, I think has value in it for sure. And like, I don't ever want to feel like I'm like infallible by any means. Right. Um, but, you know, sometimes it's tough because I, I still run through like people like give me a compliment about something and I'm like, you know, I'm just like, stop. Like, I don't believe that. Like, tell me, like, dig, like, dig deeper. Give me like something that's, you know, give me a, a criticism because I, I'm more likely to believe that than I am like a compliment that I did something well, um, right. which is, which is just something that I've, I've known about myself forever. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, we'll, I definitely want to, you know, we'll go and touch on kind of going through SES and stuff later because I was definitely someone that, you know, my initial going through school, I was like, you know, I just want to have like all these letters after my name and all that stuff. So we'll definitely dive into that a little later. Um, but like, you know, as a, you know, when did you, I guess we can jump into kind of when you first got exposed to maybe whether it was, I don't know if it was like clinical athlete for you or, or level up that, you know, thankfully for myself, I was very fortunate to come across them like my first year of PT school. Like I remember I literally got my UConn email address and I applied to join the clinical athlete forum like that first day. Um, so like when did you come across that and then kind of how did that start to change kind of your thought processes and stuff like that? Man. Yeah. I think similar to you, like it, it changed everything, honestly, like I know that might sound dramatic, but my first year out. So in probably like fall of 2018, kind of simultaneously, I think jumped on the clinical athlete forum and then also went through the four, the, I always get stumbled on my words when I say first cohort. Yeah. <laughs> when I went through that for um, level up, um, man, that completely just like wreck shop on like my approach to PT my mentor in level up was Mike Amato and I'm sure you've had conversations with Amato. He's just insane. <laughs> and I love him for it. Um, and I just remember during those like four months, like we would, I would just email him just all these existential questions about like the, I had this one specific patient with low back pain. And I was so caught up on like, is it a spondy? Is it a facet joint thing? Is it this, is it a, you know, muscle strain? And essentially our emails came back to like, it does not matter. <laughs> it does not change how you treat them like stop um and anyways he would just send me like a bunch of articles and like this long email which I just like loved that was like a a big part of um kind of why I wanted to stay involved with level up because I really just valued what they did for students and new grads and the fact that it was free is just incredible to me because it's such high value mentorship um so yeah and then clinical athlete I I guess the fall of 2018 I also went to Quinn's like weightlifting course up in Portland. Okay. Um, not cause I do Olympic lifting, but just some of my high school students during like their shooting conditioning programs have to do variations of those lifts. Yep. So I wanted to be able to just know how to, how to coach it, at least how to speak their language. So I wasn't like, what's the snatch? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like that wasn't a good look. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I went up there and, and Quinn very patiently taught me how to do some Ollie lifts and they don't look pretty cause I don't ever practice them. Um, which shame on me, but, um, yeah, I think I just started to see like me questioning, like, okay, what actually matters? Cause I feel like in clinical athlete at the course, like it came around to a lot of like the same conversations that I was having with the motto of like, it doesn't really matter, but like, we know what to do about it. Um, and, like, it doesn't really matter 
um, what the exact tissue is that's causing the issue. Like we know what to do about it. If we know the positions that are aggravating, like the loads that are aggravating, we know how to like manipulate variables to change that. Um, so anyways, that was just really freeing for me, I think mentally. Um, yeah. What about you? I'm curious kind of your. Yeah, I think, um, I, I don't remember which one I came across first. I want to say I came across clinical athlete first and then that's how I came across Zach and subsequently mm-hmm. the level up initiative. Um, but kind of digging in on, on some of their stuff. Really, I remember like the first couple podcasts that they, you know, originally when it was Mike Ray, Derek Miles, and Quinn, um, just hearing some of those initial podcasts. And like, I think one of the first ones was on like voodoo floss. And <laughs> I just remember like just the questions that they were asking about how they were like taking apart these research articles. And I was like, I would have never thought yeah. that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of like you were saying, I think when, they, when talking about like all the things is, you know, we learn in school, it's very, you know, some, you know, some schools, you know, we definitely had some uh, BPS model kind of come through in some of our curriculum, but, you know, I've had this discussion with other people too, that it's tough for PT schools. Cause obviously like their you know main job is to get us to pass our board exam. So, you know, unfortunately a lot of that stuff is still kind of more in the more biomedical realm. Um, but, you know, I think it was Zach's first, one of his first talks and like level up where he was just like, you know, we have this chronic pain problem in America. And if it was like, it's a growing problem. And if we, if it was just simple, like this wouldn't be a thing. And I was just like, yeah, like if it was just as easy as like, oh, your, you know, posture's off, you just got to like bring that shoulder blade back and then you're all good. Or, you know, your head's a little forward, just, you know, bring it back a little bit. And then, you know, there's no more pain. Like if it was that simple, like we wouldn't be in the problem that, you know, dealing with the problem we're dealing with. Um, And then for me, it was like, I think you alluded to a little bit that it was, it was very freeing to like know that I didn't have to know the exact, you know, tissue or, you know, the exact thing. And, and it wasn't like a bad thing. It didn't reflect badly on me as though like, Oh, I can't distinguish between the two. It's like the tests that we have just are mostly crap. And so like, they're not good enough to be able to do that. So, but at the end of the day, like, does it change my treatment? Like, does it change what I do with that patient? And most of the time the answer was, was no. Um, so for me that kind of opened like just a lot of like doors and it made me a lot less, you know, worried about trying to figure out exactly what was wrong. And it was like, you know what, if I can just listen to this person and, and hear kind of what they're struggling with, you know, whether that's, you know, being in positions for a little bit of time or whatever activity they're looking to get back to, that's going to be kind of how I frame what we do, not the exact muscle that or facet joint that we think is having, having an issue. Um, so for me, that was like probably the biggest thing that I've kind of taken away and it's kind of allowed me to to not be so like stressed out by trying to figure out what was going on. Yeah. And it's awesome. It's definitely like a weight off your shoulders. Um, I would say like level up also uh, probably similar to you as well. Like also changed how I do evals. Like I think coming out of school, like, right. And even like being exposed to like um, some like schools of thought where it's like, okay, your your subjective needs to be really efficient. You should be able to ask five questions, know what's going on and then move on. And that's like a whole different conversation. But (laughs) I think after listening to Chris Johnson's like guest lecture on Level Up where he just like literally takes people to coffee and like gets to know them, (laughs) you know, and his whole thing is like, I think it was him. He was like, you just have to become their friend day one. Um, so hearing stuff like that and then going to like Ben Cormack's course and hearing mm-hmm. like on average people get interrupted by the doctor within 13 seconds. But if you just shut up and let them talk, they'll finish within two minutes. <laughs> yeah. 
um, that completely just shifted. Like, man, like I need to spend more time on the front end, um, just getting to know my, my patient, um, letting them tell their story, even if it takes five minutes and that feels like forever, maybe let them talk. Um, and that will do significantly more like later on for me than me trying to rush through my eval and just trying to get to the objective and then get bogged down in like the nitty gritty of all these tests that aren't that special, <laughs> you know? So I think it also just changed like evals, um, in that sense, um, for me. And even just asking people, what do you want out of today? I think I just would always assume like, you want me to give you an HEP? Yeah. <laughs> and not everyone wants that. Like some people literally just tell me like, I just want to know what I can and can't do. Or like, I just have a question about my MRI. Um, so that was like a big shift for me that first year. Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the, yeah, the importance of the subjective exam was always like something that I knew was important, but then I always felt like I had to get through, you know, an objective and like I had to get through the subjective to get to the objective. And that was like what really mattered. But then, you know, I've just over the last year realized that, you know what, at the end of the day, like the subjective is really what matters most important to me and the patient. And I'm going to get a lot of information there that's going to kind of one point me in a direction of what I want to do with my objective exam. But also I can run through a fairly decent like orthopedic exam, you know, in a short period of time and at least not look at everything, but look at the things that I need to, to like maybe screen out things that are, you know, just make sure that, you know, check our boxes that there's nothing awry going on. Um, and then anything that I miss, I can just make sure I make a note to myself and look at the next time they come in. Yeah. Uh, so that's kind of giving myself that opportunity to be like, okay, you don't need everything day one. Like you can just let them talk, like hear right. the story. And then if you don't get to everything, like you're fine. Like yeah. just, you can get it the next time. Exactly. And I think students especially need to know like that, like if you don't get everything on eval day, they're going to come back to you. Most likely you can test it then, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like, it's okay. If you don't yeah. get everything done. Then I think also, and that's still something like, it's not something I really ever thought of then. Like it always like seemed like very, you know, you had, this was your subjective and then this was the objective, but it's like, you can still talk while you're doing an objective, right? Like you're still, you can still have a conversation with the person when you're running through some of these things right. and, um, you know, continue to get some information out of them. So the subjective doesn't end, you know, once you la ask your last question, like it's ongoing throughout the, throughout the exam. Um, and for me, that was always like something that I was like, okay, so subjective is going to be like <laughs> 10, 15 minutes. And then I have this long for an objective, but it's like, I can still talk to them while I'm doing an objective. Um, so that's definitely been one of my bigger kind of lessons that I've learned over the past like year or so, so far. Um, but, um, so I know like, you know, obviously I kind of met you, I think it was, was it, was it Scott Morrison's course that you were there for? When did we actually meet? Cause I can't remember if it was Scott's course or Ben's course. Or I, think was, I think it was Scott Morrison's course. Okay. I think it was that one. Yeah. Um, I mean, Boston for it. And then, um, so other than, you know, I've been to Ben Cormack's course as well, who also kind of challenged a lot of my um, thought processes and, and I gained a lot from that course. Um, what other kind of resources have really helped you kind of keep continue to learn kind of as, you, as you've as uh, you gone through the first couple of years of your career? Yeah, for sure. Um, well, I'm sure since you like are friends with me on Instagram, you know that I love resources because I just always blast them, mostly because I find it helpful when I like, that's how I've been exposed to a lot of this is someone else just sharing it. Mm -hmm. God is always if I can put it out there for just one person to to feel like they have something to help kind of guide their practice if they aren't involved in like a formal you know setting that has resources for you like it, there's a ton out there um 
So yeah, just a few that I kind of had thought of, um, cause this is a great question. Obviously we've already mentioned level up and clinical athlete, um, physio network, shout out to them. They do a great job of just right. Compiling research, shooting it out once a month. Um, they also have like master classes. just launched a podcast where it's like covering big topics in 20 minutes, which is nice. Cause a lot of podcasts to your point are like an hour, hour and a half. And you're like, okay, now I'm, <laughs> I'm checked out. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, Instagram, as silly as it sounds, has been like a huge networking um, thing um, for me over the past three years. Just have connected with incredible clinicians um, and have just found like a really cool community um, that I think we probably run in the same circle of people, honestly. So, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a there's a ton of good like books out there too. I know like the Ultimate Conditioning or Ultimate MMA yeah. Conditioning book by Joel Jameson um, that really challenged my beliefs on just energy system development and re- made me realize how much I don't know. Um, I would also say like CSM and like just be involved in the SIGs. Like um, there's a ton of opportunities to network there. That's been super fun. We just launched Mobilize. So there's like literally a webinar. It seems like every week on something. Um, the conduct courses that we've obviously both been to, Scott Morrison's was like a great overview of strength and conditioning principles and like, how to think critically about things. Ben Cormack does a great job of bringing a lot of good evidence to low back pain and um, just kind of challenged me on what it means to like ask people about their beliefs about exercise and how that influences their like engagement in exercise. Um, I'm currently going through Eric Mier's course, the knee course, um, which has been great so far. Um, Also would plug Clinic to Fields. It's a concussion course. They do in person, but they also have an online. Um, so Bobby was my CI. She's great. And then her um, co-owner, Chelsea, they both launched it, um, I think, like over the past year. So it's awesome for concussion stuff. Um, Greg Lehman's course. I want to go to that one. I haven't been uh, yet. Yeah, I would, that's one that's definitely on my list for sure. Yeah. Plan to go to rehab to perform. Um, they're coming to Texas next month. Um yeah. I mean, there's like literally so many and then just where I work, we have great relationships with our surgeons and our athletic trainers. So I try to go spend time with them awesome. to keep building relationships. Cause I really do think when you have good relationships with people, then you can have like these hard conversations that we talk about and level up in clinical athlete and try to keep things moving forward. Um, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's I <think>. a- <laughs> no, I, I love that. You know, you're someone that definitely shares a lot of things. And um, for me, I think that's, you know, a lot of my phone, like the pictures on my phone are like articles that I've like screenshotted or like uh, a podcast that I want to listen to that I want to. So like, that's, you know, partially why I kind of on my stuff, I'll like uh, screenshot like podcasts I'm listening to. Cause I'm like, if someone else at least finds this interesting, then at least someone else can kind of learn it. And that's almost why I started kind of the podcast was cause I was, I had gained a lot of information through listening to podcasts when I was driving to one of my last clinicals. Cause it was like a 50 minute drive for me every day. And I wanted to make a little bit more use out of that time. Um, So I was like, let me, you know, I think, you know, even if if someone can gain, you know, one thing from, from listening to me ramble about for, for 40 minutes, then that's, that's, (laughs) that's, that's, that makes it worth it for me. Um, But what are your, uh, like, what are your go-to podcasts? Ooh, uh, I think so barbell medicine, even though they're on the longer side, I usually have to chop that up. You know, they have, they say some amazing things, but I usually have to break that up um, into two. Um, I definitely listen to um, Modern Pain Care by uh, from Jared Hall and Mark Cardula. 
um, clinical athlete um, a lot. What else do I listen to? I just I haven't listened to Physio Network's new podcast um, that they just came out okay. with. Um, and then have you listened to the JOSPT? I, I have listened to uh, one of their for one or the first or second one that they came out with. Yeah. Um, and then I just started listening to not that long ago. It's Better Coaching. Okay. And done. Um, that one's been pretty good so far. Um, PT Inquest, Eric Mara. Yeah. Um, so those, yeah, I have like a list of like ones that I, E3 Rehab. Yes. There's, uh, I don't know. Yeah, there's too many. I just, (laughs) (laughs) um, but kind of jumping off that, that kind of made me think when you were kind of listing like, you know, some of the, the stuff that, um, you kind of do whether, and I see you kind of share, you know, photos from games. I don't know if like you're covering some of the games that you're at or, um, doing things, but like, I feel like you're always doing a million things. So like, how do you like prioritize things like how do you make time and like organizing because i feel like i almost sometimes like i'm so scatterbrained so i'm like i want to listen to this i want to read this and i have a million things going on and then sometimes i'm just like i don't know what move to make so i'm just not going to do anything Uh, like how do you kind of keep yourself organized and and make kind of that less complicated i don't think i have a system to be honest mike (laughs) um no i mean i mean over the past few years i've done like super chill like book clubs list like reading like one book with like a small group of people for you know over the course of like a month or two um so I try not to read multiple books at once because I just know myself but I was gonna ask if you were someone that did that I can't do it yeah like two years ago I tried to read like four books like every few months and it was good I ended up reading like 12 books during the course of the year but um I just have been more busy so I just haven't got to do that um but yeah, as far as like prioritizing, so I mean, I have Monday, Wednesday mornings off of work. And so some of those mornings I'm just hanging out and I'll just go to the coffee shop and read whatever I want. Um, other mornings, it's like, I'm going to spend two hours going through like that concussion course. I'm still chipping away at it because it's really dense and really thorough, um, which I love. <clears throat> um, but yeah, I mean, part of that is just like, I'm single, I don't have kids. And so I just have a lot of free time. And I, right now I kind of just want to use that um, to keep growing and learning, especially if I care about it. Um, I don't feel forced to do any of this. I enjoy it. Yeah. It's um, fun. And then like going to the games on Friday nights, um, again, like nothing about that is a drain for me. Like I get to go to games where I see some of my old patients. I get to hang out with the doctors that we work with, the ATs that we work with. I don't have any responsibilities as a PT there unless something like serious were to happen. Probably I'm literally just there to learn and hang out. Um, and I just, I really enjoy that. So I enjoy spending my Friday nights that way. Um, cool. Especially in Texas. So what else would you do on a Friday night? Yeah. I mean, we have to go to football on Friday nights in Texas. <laughs> a given. Um, but yeah. And then I think just like at work, I'm, I'm sure most people here, like whenever you have a bunch of free time, like during those big stacks of articles that you have on your desk, like just pull one out and just skim through it. At least yeah. start. Um, and just things like these, like hopping on calls, especially during COVID, that kind of really pushed a lot of like virtual meetings. Um, so because of COVID, a lot of other things are not going on that I'm usually involved in. So that's just kind of freed up more time, I think recently too. Yeah. And you know, on the other side of that, like how do you kind of also find that balance of like, and maybe it is unwinding for you, like kind of when you need to take a step away, taking a step away or just kind of unplugging from everything. Like, do you make time to do that? Or is it just kind of, you know, some days you're just like, you know what, I was planning on doing this this morning, but I'm just a little extra tired. So I'm just going to 
watch yeah. a show on Netflix? Like, do you ever have those moments or, you know, do you, you know, how do you kind of keep yourself, you know, kind of fresh, you know, if that makes sense? Yeah. Um, no, that's a really good question. Um, so, I mean, I've definitely done like, you know, I'm going to take a week off of social media here and there just to step back, especially if I feel like overwhelmed with things. Um, or like there's just nights when I get home from work and like there's a big part of me that's like, I need to figure this out. Like the past few weeks, it's just been like spine. Like I'm just like, I need to figure out the spine <laughs> for whatever reason. I don't even have a ton of spine patients right now. Um, spine patients. Let me correct my language. And <laughs> with pain related to their spine. Um, but that's caused me to like really question like, what about segmental, segmental mobility? What about facet joint? Like all these things that we're, we're taught. Um, so like last week I like wanted to come home and like, just like read and like try to figure that out. And I was like, no, like, I'm just, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> like, I'm just going to be a normal person and watch TV and hang out with my dog. Yeah, and, that's um, awesome. um, so yeah, I, I think it's both like organically kind of throughout the week when I just am not feeling it, I just won't. And then when I feel really motivated, I'm going to take advantage of that and, and do it. Um, but it definitely comes and goes in, in waves. Yeah. No, I, like feel, right I, now, yeah. I feel very motivated. Um, but there's definitely other times when I'm just like, I'm tired. I can't keep up with all this. Yeah. That's a very, that definitely resonates with me. You know, I usually, I enjoy kind of reading on my own and, and looking and digging down some rabbit holes. And, but some days I just, you know, get home and I'm like, I'm not going to do anything. And, you know, that's, I think super important also. And something I'm still trying to gain a grasp on and of doing better is, you know, trying to, you know, make sure that I'm, you know, well-rounded as a human, I guess I'm, I should say is like, you know, making time for my family and friends. And then obviously like my, my, you know, career as a PT is something that I'm very passionate about and is important to me, but also realizing that at the end of the day, that's not who like only thing I do. Um, right. so yeah. prior, prioritizing some of that stuff. So definitely not, I'm not great at it, but I'm trying to be better at it. So, uh, well, but I figured I'd, I'd, I'd kind of uh, see if you had any good system <laughs> that works. I don't have a good system. I will say some of the best advice that I've gotten. Um, I was talking to Jared Boyd about this actually probably like a year ago. Yeah, probably exactly a year ago. Um, and he recommended, he told me, he was like, Shelby, like pick like one thing on your list of things that you don't have a good grasp on and like spend like three or four months on that thing and like find people that really know that thing and then like reach out to them and then move on to the next thing. And so literally over the course of a year, you're probably only learning like four things really, but with a lot of depth. Yeah. I right. Think Cause that's... Be like a mile wide, but an inch deep, mm -hmm. and like, which I definitely am guilty of all the time. Um, so like with the energy system stuff, I mean, I literally spent probably four to six months just only learning about that. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. Though. No, but that's, you know, that makes it, I think that's something that I definitely can do a better job of just really honing in on, on one topic and trying to get a, you know, as, as good of a grasp as I can on that for a short period of time, instead of kind of having a million tabs open, like I normally do. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. um, but yeah, no, that's, that's definitely helpful. Um, I also kind of really, you know, one of the reasons I also like really, you know, look to you as someone that I, I follow on, on social media and things like that is, you know, just a question that you asked, you know, not that long ago on the level up, um, Facebook group was just like, you know, what kind of things do you guys still struggle with and things like that? Because, you know, even you've been a couple of years out, like you still have, you know, you're talking about like the cervical spine, you know, like that you were just like, I don't even see a lot of patients that come in with those complaints, but like, I just don't feel like I have a good grasp on that. So like, 
I feel like you're definitely someone that's just like always like, it's very evident that you're always just trying to keep learning. Um, and I think that that's, that speaks about someone like just a lot, I think to me. And it's like, not just like, okay, I've been doing this for years. I got, I got it. Like, I'm good. You know, I have these letters after my name. I'm good. Like how, you know, do you feel like, is that more of like a product? Is that always how you've been? Or is that just, you know, something that, you know, you kind of picked up along the way. Um, Cause I think for some people, like, Honestly, like if you hadn't posed that question, like, I don't know, like we probably wouldn't have had that thing that you had on, that we organized on Saturday. Um, like having somewhere to like express those, you know, uncertainties that we have and things like that. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, I don't really know. I mean, I think, um, I think that comes from probably a lot of different places. I think, um, I mean, I'll always be super like upfront with this, like as a Christian, like I always tell people like the only good thing that you see in me, it's always Jesus. Like, that's the only good thing in me. I would say in addition to that, right? Like my parents, um, they're both just like walking a lot of humility and um, are pretty like open about things that they don't know and they don't understand and they're not good at. Um, so I was just exposed to that growing up. Um, and then obviously just the circles of people that we run in now, um, it's always about trying to shine a light on like the things that we don't understand. Um, and I just think that's so needed in this profession and really any profession, but, um, I think it's concerning if you're around people that are so certain all the time, like mm -hmm. that's really just rubs me the wrong way. Cause I'm like, there's no way you can be that certain about these things. Like it, it's too complex. Yeah. Um, so sure. yeah, I feel like I didn't have the freedom to, to be that open about like not understanding and not knowing when I was in school, like it was just kind of like, this is how things are. And that wasn't my school's fault. It's just how school is. Like, mm -hmm. it's very textbook and, like, very black and white. Um, and then I think just getting exposed to people like Zach and Steph and Quinn and, and just, like, oh, like, y'all been out forever and, like, y'all y'all still talk about these things. Um, and I think that's just so refreshing. So I think it comes from a lot of places, honestly. Yeah. Well, I think we've definitely, uh, you know, I, I appreciate that you do that because it, you know, not that that group isn't already somewhere that like you can feel comfortable asking things, but just, you know, someone that's been doing it for longer than you kind of expressing that like, Hey, I don't feel like I have a good grasp on this. Like what else do people struggle with? I think that's just very, it's nice to see that. Um, and you don't have to feel like you're, you're dumb because you don't understand something. Um, so, uh, I really appreciate that you are very open and, and forward about that. Um, so kind of, you know, going through, um, talk to me about kind of, you know, I know initially you said you had applied for the residency um, and that didn't pan out kind of the first time through. Um, so what, so was a kind of a specialty certification, like something that you always had in the back of your mind um, doing, like, what are your thoughts on that? Like, you know, is that something that you feel like everyone should go through? Um, give me a little, cause I don't, I'm not too familiar with kind of the um, specialty certifications. Um, yeah. So I think a few things on, on that, um, so I think one piece of this just contextually, like I work with seven or eight other PTs, they're all certified in sports ortho. Um, so I think there's definitely a, a big part of me and no one told me this, no one like told me I had to do this. Um, but I felt like I had to do it. And I felt like I had to like prove myself that like, I still belong here, even if I don't go residency route. Um, so part of it was just like, I felt like I needed to prove myself, mm -hmm. which could be good or bad depending on just depending on the day, honestly. Um, yeah. but part of it was like actually listening to some of my coworkers talk about things that they were exposed to in residency. I just was like taking in like, Oh, those things, like I've never heard of that. 
Um, so I felt like there's just some like knowledge gaps that I had, um, like specific to the sports world that I wanted to fill. Um, and so like, because of my job, I didn't want to leave my job because I really loved my job. Um, and so I kind of felt like I could still get what I wanted as out of residency without going through residency. Um, so went self-guided route for the SES um, and wanted to do that for the knowledge, um, per, or like for like the purpose of gaining knowledge, but then also um, knew that I get to do a lot of sideline coverage. And so for me, that just kind of honed in on like, I love connecting with people. I love bridging the gap between PT and AT. I like hate that it's territory wars um, between us and ATs, us and DCs, us and MPs. Um, I just, I want my career to be one that tries to reconcile um, all those professions as much as I can. Um, yeah. <laughs> and so I knew that that would give me an excuse to like go to the sidelines and hang out and have these conversations. And so, um, and then also like I was seeing 70, 80% of my caseload was athletes. And so I knew it would only take me a year or two to get the 2000 hours. Um, so it wasn't going to be like this long drawn out process if I was in like a typical like outpatient clinic. So yeah, went SDS route. Um, the process of it, I think was better than the actual letters. Like the letters to me don't mean a ton in the sense that it doesn't change what I do day to day. Um, maybe down the road, if I were to leave and go somewhere else and they really wanted a sports certified specialist, I could use that as leverage to get the job. Um, I don't plan on being like a, a D one, like PT or like, like a primary um, sports PT in like that setting. And so um it more just represents that like I took the time to, to learn things and yeah. try to fill gaps. Um, patients don't know about it. Don't really care about it. <laughs> um, and then as far as like that versus the OCS, um, I didn't really consider OCS. I just, I didn't really consider it. I kind of just knew I wanted to do the sports route. Um, so. Cool. Yeah. I think, you know, I kind of touched this earlier, but like we had one, professor who you know his it was like after his last name he uh like it was cscs ocs scs um like oh i was like you know that guy's a man and i was like i want to know as much as he knows um and like my process is kind of you know changed in that like you were saying like you know the letters don't mean much to you it's kind of the process of going through that um because I always think that like I've had this discussion, not necessarily in terms of like OCS or SES, but like just, you know, certifications that even like a, a trainer might have um, where, you know, it doesn't, it shows to me that they were maybe someone that went in pursuit of more knowledge, mm -hmm. um, but it doesn't necessarily like make them better than someone that doesn't have that um, in, in my eyes, because I've, you know, I know, you know, I've seen some clinicians that have their OCS and they still kind of say some narratives that I don't agree with. And I think we have, you know, evidence to just to kind of go against kind of some of those narratives that they're saying. So it's like, it doesn't make the clinician, but like, like you're saying, if it's about the, the process and, and things like that, then I definitely can see the the value in uh, of kind of going through that process. Um, Cause it's something that I've given some consideration to as well. Um, now, as far as like the, on the field coverage, cause I know that's like a part of the SES was that something that you were able to do just because of like the um, setting that you were in as far as like where you're working or is that something that you had to do like off, you know, on, uh, on your own? Yeah. Um, it was a little bit of both. So, um, so something that I do right outside of, of like PT specifically is young life, young life is tied to high school. One of my like, like leaders that's on my team with me, she's the athletic trainer at the local high school, um, which is my old high school. 
so anyways, all to say, since I was friends with the athletic trainer at that high school, she let me come hang out with her for probably 70 of my hundred hours. Oh, wow. Okay, cool. Um, and then like the other like 30 or 40 hours, um, it was mostly through the like, um, sports orthopedic group that we work with. Um, they cover all of the games in Arlington. And so I just kind of told them like, Hey, I'm working towards a certification. I need on-field coverage hours. You know, it's literally just me observing you. If, if you're willing to have me, I'd love to come. And they were so generous with their time and just like, yes, come on. And so that's just been fun. Cause now I'm, this is my second or third, maybe it's my second year, but I still go to the games, not cause I need hours, but just cause it's like fun to do it. Yeah. <laughs> um, cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so any, um, so kind of as we just kind of start to, to wrap up, cause I don't want to hold you up for, for too long. Um, again, kind of this podcast more kind of geared towards people that still may be going through, whether that's, you know, PT school or Cairo school, um, or new grads that just graduated, um, kind of what are maybe some pieces of advice that you would give to those that are either still going through school or kind of just, you know, you know, they just started as a clinician themselves, kind of any pieces of, of advice to try to make their process a little, maybe not as, as uh, difficult as ours were. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think, you know, it can be kind of overwhelming as a student and new grad, like right now, especially because like, because of social media, there's like so much information right now, um, you know, and so it can almost be overwhelming to the point where you just don't want to engage in any of it. Um, so I would kind of bring, I'm going to bring Jared Boyd back up because he's just, He's awesome. Um, but something that I've learned from him is he's really big on like, you've got to understand like your principles before you start learning just a ton of methods. So just learning like guiding principles that kind of can apply across the board to any patient before you start learning like specific techniques or methods to apply to people. Um, so I would always tell students and new grads, figure out like, figure out general principles, like figure out strength and conditioning principles, figure out like how to build therapeutic alliance, like, from like a principle standpoint um and then like go figure out all the methods like there's a a ton of ways to do all of those things um and then I would say definitely like seeking opportunities that help refine like how you think and not just like what you think because school does a great job of teaching you what to think what to think what to think um it's harder to find people that will challenge you the about how you think and that's again why I really like um just the caliber of clinicians in level up is because when we hop on calls, it's not just like, Oh, well I did this for this. It's like, well, why did you do that? Well, why, well, why, well, why, why is my favorite question to be asked to ask? Um, I think it's just a helpful one. Um, and the other thing I would tell people is like, man, like if you see like a group of clinicians that you're like, I really respect what they're doing. I really want to like kind of be in that circle, just like insert yourself somehow. Um, like, as silly as it sounds, just like interact with people, like through their DMs, like when they post things, just literally try to be friends with them. Um, and like, you don't know where that's going to take you mm-hmm. in like five or 10 years. And so just like, don't wait to be invited to like hang out with these people or like join their kind of um, what they're doing, like just insert, insert yourself. Cause it may be the part of that is like being a girl in sports medicine. You do have to insert yourself a little bit more, I think, than if I was a, a guy, um, for different reasons. And so, um, I think, especially to my ladies, just put your foot in there and like get after it. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, and one of my favorite things that kind of going off what you just said, there was like, 
you know, you, you'll never know, you know, the answer will always be no, if you don't ask. Exactly. So just, you know, thankfully everyone that I've ever, you know, interacted with through social media or anything like that has always been like awesome about getting back to me with a response. And, you know, if I asked them, you know, to, you know, be on podcasts or something like that, they've been like, Oh yeah, absolutely. And obviously like make that connection first and don't just like immediately go asking for things. <laughs> but like, um, there are definitely better ways to go about doing that. Um, but you know, don't be afraid to like reach out to someone because they're a big name, right? Cause like some of those big names, like, you know, like I had the opportunity of meeting Quinn in person at, I went to the weightlifting course as well. And like, now I just like interacting with Quinn through like, it just is, doesn't seem like a big deal where before it was right. like, Oh my God, it's Quinn. Like, and so I think, you know, always just, you know, don't be scared to send that message or just ask a question. Cause you know, they're usually, you know, mm-hmm. especially, I would say I can't speak for everyone, but you know, good human beings just overall. Oh yeah. Um, absolutely. So, um, but awesome. So, you know, as we kind of wrap up, um, you know, what can people do to kind of follow along you? Where can they find you, whether it's on social media or email, anything like that? Yeah. Um, so I'll give you, I'll say my email. If anybody wants to email me, it's just Shelby N as in no Miller at gmail.com. So Shelby N Miller at gmail.com. Um, my Instagram is shelby.miller. Um, it's just my personal Instagram. So it's not just for PT. I do put a lot of PT related stuff in my story. I don't really post anything about PT on like my feed necessarily. Um, but my story is just a big hodgepodge of like me. So it, you're going to get random stuff. So yeah, <laughs> feel free to follow way. that if you care about it. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's why I like your page so much. Cause I, I'm the same way. I was like, I'm not making my own like page for it. I was like, no, it's going to be random things like that it. I'm doing. And then PT stuff along the way. So <laughs> um, exactly. but, well, that's how it is in real life. You know? Yeah, exactly. Um, well, thank you again for taking the time uh, to hop on with me today. I really appreciate it. Uh, you're again someone that I really kind of look to. You're put put a lot of ton, you know, of great information out there. So um, just know that it's appreciated and just keep crushing it. Thank you, Mike. I appreciate the kind words and thanks for having me on and doing this. I think it's it's cool what you're doing. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, well, thank you everyone for listening to another episode of Mike Check. Uh, that'll wrap up today's episode, and I'll catch you guys on the next one. <laughs>